I had a unhealthy relationship with competition. I lived in the world of comparison. I was always comparing myself to someone else. And when you live in that state, not only do you burn yourself out, but you're constantly comparing yourself to someone ahead of you and someone behind you because such is life. There's always other people running different races. And what I started to discover is not only did I find more happiness and passion when I started competing against myself, but I found I started to grow more. I started to reach more successes and, and start to accelerate in areas of my career, my relationships, and my life when I stopped living the comparison game and just started answering the question, how am I going to compete against my own previous best? G'day, everyone. Thanks for being here again for a, another episode of People With A Passion. Today's guest is a new author, first-time author of the book, Compete Every Day. His name's Jake Thompson, and he's going to share some of the teaching, the seven core teachings of his book. He's going to share some of those to spark your interest in the topic of how it's important to compete with yourself to be better in life, sport, and business. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you haven't yet subscribed to my channel, please take a moment to do so. Also hit the notification bell to be advised when new interviews are uploaded. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Applaudable.net. G'day, Jake Thompson. Thanks for joining us on People with a Passion today. How are things? They're great. Uh, here in Texas, I'm excited to be on the show. I appreciate you having me. You're the author of a new book called Compete Every Day. And uh, do you want to hold your book up so people can see the, uh, the cover? I will. I will. Yeah. I get so to not- say author next to my name now, finally. That's it. So the not-so-secret secret to winning in work and life. So it's pretty cool. Now, why compete every day? You've had those three words for over a decade. Why have they resonated with you so much? Yeah, so actually, I, I think the importance is because it is three words. When we look at them as two words, when it's just every day as, as one word, it's commonplace. It, it's just kind of casual. But when you separate them into three and you separate every and today, it's it's the intentional focus and the intentional actions of competing each and every single day uh, with passion, with intention, going after not only your goals, but your best life. Uh, for me, competition's always been a part of my life. I'm a sports guy, grew up playing sports pretty much from the time I could walk. There was a ball or some kind of bat object in my hands. But kind of throughout my teen years, early 20s, I had a unhealthy relationship with competition. I lived in the world of comparison. I was always comparing myself to someone else. And when you live in that state, not only do you burn yourself out, but you're constantly comparing yourself to someone ahead of you and someone behind you because such is life. There's always other people running different races. And what I started to discover is not only did I find more happiness and passion when I started competing against myself, but I found I started to grow more. I started to reach more successes and and start to accelerate in areas of my career, my relationships and my life when I stopped living the comparison game and just started answering the question, how am I going to compete against my own previous best? And so for me, it's kind of been that whirlwind ride of, of living in a media mindset for so much of sports and life. And then once I started adjusting that mindset to me versus me, not only did it unlock kind of a whole new perspective on things, uh, but really opened up my career, my life, and, and really the route I'm on now. It's uh, interesting your reference to sport. Most people associate competition 
with sport? Why is sport such a good platform to understand uh, what competing actually means? Yeah, for me, I think it's the idea of the lessons we learn from sports at such a young age translate to all areas of life. Uh, the biggest one being in competition, you are not guaranteed to win. In life, you are not guaranteed to get your goals. You're not guaranteed to get that job, that relationship, those things you want. But the only way you have a shot at them is by stepping on the field and playing, by competing, by putting your best foot out there. And, and the beauty of that whole process is in sports, you either win the game or you start to learn what it's going to take to win the game. You're going to have to learn how much better you have to play, how much stronger you need to get. And the same applies to life. When you put yourself out there and when you fall short of certain goals and pursuits, you can look at it as a complete failure. Or you can look at it and say, now I've learned what I need to do to get there. And so I'm going to start applying that, those lessons and things to get to that point. So that's the biggest reason I think it's so important. I mean, you could go into teamwork and communication and everything else you learn in sports. But at the end of the day, it's about the importance of being willing to step on the field of life, put yourself out there, risk losing, because it's the only way you got a shot at winning. Success on the field it comes from the commitment off the field. So do you want to expand on that concept? Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the phrases that I love that uh, a football coach here in the States has used is this idea of you earn your championship trophies in practice. You only pick them up on game day. It's the idea of the work that we do well before the lights turn on, well before you step on the field, is what prepares you for that moment and prepares you to shine. And so off-season workouts, trainings, the months spent ahead of time prepare you to play well on, on game day. The same when we get into our lives. You know, we think about people that get lucky breaks or special opportunities, but a lot of people get those throughout their life and they miss them. They're unaware that that opportunity has fallen in their lap or maybe they get an opportunity and they're not ready for it because they chose to wait to do the work, to build their skill set, to start planting those seeds of progress until that opportunity arrived. You know, you can't get ready when the moment shows up. You have to be preparing and be ready for when it arrives. And so that's kind of that big piece of learning to embrace the off-season of life you know, when you start your first job and it's not a position you love or an internship you don't like, or you're starting a side hustle, you're starting to explore your passions and figure out what you want to do with your life. You're not going to come out of the gate, you know, guns blazing, ready to go, fireworks everywhere. It's going to start slow. And you have to learn to enjoy that process and figuring out what you love and, and slowly build it over time and not be discouraged when it doesn't immediately happen. The best way I love to describe it is if you look at a sculptor. A sculptor starts out with this giant block of rock, and they know they're going to create something magnificent, and they love it. And they start to chip away at it. And the end of the first day, they finish their carving, and they've only gotten a little bit. Most people would be like, I don't really know what they did. But they're not angry. They're not frustrated. They're not demotivated. They're just like, I did as great as I can today. I'm going to do it again tomorrow. And day after day after day, they just keep working on how can I make this better until one day you look up and it's a beautiful work of art. Most of us don't have that patience to just keep showing up and saying, I love this. How can I get better at it until one day we have that piece of art? And so that's why I think a lot of people fail to embrace that off season of life and, and they fail to capitalize on opportunities and moments that they could just run with if they only learn to, to lean into those moments. Mm. 
you're summarising a whole heap of episodes of uh, people <laughs> with passion, of people I've spoken to, some of the people you know. So interestingly, Kev Eastman talks about the off-season as being the on-season for most athletes. That's the time they do their hardest work when we actually talk about the break between seasons. So that's sort of, you know, the focus on the process. So I interviewed Kevin Pennell around um, people process, process progress and the importance of progress or sorry, process to progress. So chipping away like a sculptor is actually um, a good example of of someone who understands the process and they're focused on uh, the persistence that goes with achieving something that's beyond simple. And uh, actually bringing that up, Alan Stein Jr., who's a friend of yours, actually referenced, uh, you know, and, and I think it's in your book as well, that just because something is simple doesn't make it, easy so i want to move to the competitive mindset so what do people need what's the concept of developing this competitive or competitors mindset and what is the competitors mindset yeah yeah so really it's this idea of you versus you every single day at the core of it it's not about specific talents or genetics or things you're born with but it's about the choices you get to make every single day And notice I said you get to make versus you have to make. There's a whole different perspective on that from a a focus and a a mindset shift. But looking at the choices you get to make every day, are are you going to choose to outwork your talent? Are you going to choose to lead others by example? Are you going to choose to invest with people, life, coworkers, things that build you up, encourage you, challenge you? And so the competitor's mindset is really taking this whole perspective on competition almost putting blinders on like a racehorse. So you only see your lane, your race, running it as hard as you can, racing against your own previous best, and along the way, making sure the choices you make on a daily basis align with that person you want to become, align with the type of person that's achieving the things you want to achieve. And really, that's the core of the book, is how do sports really mirror life? And what are the seven choices in in kind of the book we go through that help you get to that point. The seven choices that if you look across the board, people like Kevin talk about, people like Alan talk about, the things that are done on a consistent basis that may not 100% get you to that goal, but they're going to give you the absolute best chance in life to get there, just like competition. We're not guaranteed that win, but these choices, if you make them each and every day, they're going to give you the best chance to reach your full potential and see what you're honestly made of. You arrived along this journey because of your own ruts in life where you and i think a lot of young people we come out of like university or or whatever we're doing and we feel like the world actually technically owes us something and we're just going to automatically be successful and and we keep chipping away and trying different things thinking this is going to be it this is going to be it this is going to be it but you say that the world loves winners and that that that's where you you have to develop this competing with yourself every day to become what we deem a winner because that whole association with being a winner is what makes people successful. So I probably summarized it, but you've got it in your book and we'll come back to the seven core, uh, you know, teachings of the book um, in a moment. But yeah, do you want to sort of talk about this concept that, you know, we all love winners? Yeah, I mean, you you laugh like we've got our, our sports teams that, you know, when they win their championships, we feel like it's our championship too. I know when 
my favorite baseball team lost the World Series. Like I felt like I lost that game. Like it was gut wrenching for me because we want that association because we see winners in, in sports and Hollywood celebrities and politics. And, and we just want to be part of that team because it goes back to just the ancient ancestral roots of like, if you belong to the community, you're safe, you're protected, you're, you're part of this, this group, this tribe. And so we all crave that kind of belonging from the community standpoint. And winners are that valuable piece of the community. They're never going to be ostracized because we quote need them. And so a lot of us have this idea, this, in, this entitlement idea that things should just be handed to us. We naturally see ourselves sometimes as winners without ever having done the work to become one. And, and that's a struggle that I felt that, that, you know, a lot of people, like you said, go through because we either we see things on social media, or we've heard things all of our lives from teachers and parents. And we just assume success is going to be easy or we're special circumstances or we're a special person. They're going to be handed to us. And in reality, it, it's similar to sports. It's got that meritocracy effect for the most part. May the best man or woman that day win. And for us in life, it's getting out of that entitlement ma uh, mindset and looking at it to say, what can I do today to put myself in a better position tomorrow? How can I outwork my position, my circumstances, and continue showing up? Instead of thinking that something's going to be handed to me and just given to me, how can I be someone that has the attitude, I'm going to go get it and go earn it? It's interesting. You reference social media, and I have three sorts of categories that those that are pushing themselves onto social media. And I'm probably in the category of entrepreneur at the moment, but there's contrepreneurs who are, who are fooling the world into pretending that they're successful and people fall for that. You've got your entrepreneurs are the ones who are out grinding, trying to be the entrepreneur. So I'm probably in the middle of that where, with where I'm at and that's that person chipping away. Is this next? Is this next? And then you've got your entrepreneurs, which is your most successful individuals, but then what is success? So how do you measure success? Like, because success is perspective. It's different to different people. It's not always money. It's not always a fast car. It, it can be happiness. It can be, you know, family. So how do you measure success? And is that a personal assessment? And are you winning when your success matches what your perception of it is? So I love that. And, and before I answer that, I want to push back on your your three categories of the preneurs. I think you're 100% right. There's the fake preneurs. I think there's the people that are renting cars and putting fake pictures up. And then we tend to, tend to look at the entrepreneurs as the ones who are fully living off of what they've created. They've created a business. They've got that income stream. However, the entrepreneur, how you phrase yourself, I, I think you are more of an actionpreneur than a wantpreneur. Because when we talk about what people want, it's usually all they talk about. Oh, I want this. I want that. I want this. And there's never action behind it. But the people like yourself, you're, you're doing a show. You're creating content. You're working toward that goal every day. You're just an actionpreneur. You're just not quite at the level where man, I can run with this full time the way I want to, but I'm getting there. And so when I hear the entrepreneur, I tend to think of them more on the fake side because the people that take action, man, in my book, whether it's a side hustle that makes you $100 a month or $100,000 a month, if you're someone that's willing to take that action, all in on that entrepreneur side because you're creating something that can be criticized, that may not work, 
that who knows how many people are going to respond to it, but you're willing to put it out there because you say, this is the only way I get better is by creating, putting it out there and learning and growing. So one, I want to challenge you with that idea to be an actionpreneur instead of a wantrepreneur. And for me, success you know, it's changed over the years. And I think that's okay for, for all of us is to have different perspectives. It used to be just how can I be as filthy rich as possible and, and have everyone work for me and, and do that. And then as I started building my own business and, and building this brand, for me, success is being able to travel and speak to companies all the time, be financially secure and freedom for my family from either debt or um, having to be stuck in a location or having to be here at a certain time. Um, and so for us, that's kind of what we look at and in how we save financially and how we've uh, invested in terms of me building my career, speaking and writing. Uh, for us, success is having that freedom to do that, to invest time with each other um, and to relieve certain pressures. So not only are we in a better state, uh, but we're able to use the resources and platforms built to help others. Yeah, and it's actually, you've hit the nail on the head. We're in such a good position to use the technology we have today. I was speaking to someone about this the other day, that just to do what we're doing right now, years ago, costs a lot of money to do. It did. Now we, can, we can reach like millions of people and you've, you've published your book, so compete every day. And even even that situation now, even if people don't put books into print, they can actually have them online as e-copies and and electronic versions and self-publish and things like that. So the world is a changed place for those who are taking the opportunity to to use that. And what I'm finding is like just by talking to you, I had three perceptions of a uh, of the entrepreneur, uh, you know, mindset, I suppose. And you've added an extra one, which I agree with you 100% because a lot of people, and I think Alan referred to this as the performance gap, that, you know, a lot of people have and know what they need to do, but they actually don't execute so they don't you know enable the action and so that's given me a different perspective so thanks for sharing that insight because it is actually what it is it's it's a, a grind and a journey and unless you're on that journey you don't know what's actually involved it's that concept of what looks simple doesn't necessarily make it easy that's right that's right yeah you think you know hey make a product sell a product go and then you start looking at everything and how it has to build it and it is complicated but um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk is is famous for talking about, you know, the information is everywhere. Knowledge is everywhere right now. The magic's in the doing and and going from being someone who just wants to do these things to trying it and figuring out a way to make it work. And so, um, yeah, it's it's definitely that gap. There's a lot of people that talk about it. I mean, heck, I'm I'm guilty number one. I mean, I talked for years about a book before finally sitting down and writing it and getting it done and getting it published and getting it out there. And so uh, it, it's really that competition. Are you going to get over those butterflies in your stomach, lean into that discomfort, step on the field and say, hey, I'm going to bet on myself because I only get one shot in life. How am I going to make it count? Mm. You mentioned Gary Vaynerchuk there. The One of the things he's constantly beating on about in every video I've seen is he, he says it's a simple word make 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 and that's that's just what he's saying is like take take the jump take the leap into action when you start making and creating you're moving forward that's the process so it's um it's really good 
So if you want to give an overview of the seven choices people make without giving too much away, because you want them obviously to buy the book. Yeah, yeah. So the one thing I wanted to do with the book is look at things that were 100% in your control each and every day. What, no matter what the circumstances are, you still remain in control. You still have 100% power in this. And so that's really where the core of the book is. And so we talk about the importance of effort versus talent. And Angela Duckworth has done some incredible work on this in her book, Grit, about why effort is more important than talent. And so we talk about how we outwork it. Um, we talk about the importance of never letting bad days break us. You know, when we look at a, a bad day and a bad a situation experience, they're inevitable in life. But how we respond to those are 100 percent up to us. Talk about the importance of one of the things we've talked about here a lot on the show is embracing that process. The idea of just showing up, how am I going to get better today? How am I going to work the off season of life and not getting too worried about just trying to be a game day person? You want to be someone that works their hardest in the off season. So game day is an easier experience. One of the other areas that we touch on is the importance of your lineup. And I use the starting lineup in life uh, because in basketball, you have five starting players on the court at all times. And in a famous motivational speaker and author, Jim Rohn, is quoted as saying, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And so the whole chapter is around challenging you about the type of people you are investing time with. Are you intentional about spending time with the right people? Because they're going to make you better. Otherwise, they're going to dull you into you know a butter knife instead of a sword that you want to be. And we talk about the importance of actions over talk. And that's something we hit on as well today with with the entrepreneur versus the the fake people that are posting everything online. It's great to talk. It's even better to walk the walk. And so are you someone that's leading with your actions and not your lip? And then we talk about the importance of always doing your best. You know, it doesn't matter if, if you're not passionate about this job. Are you still showing up every day and putting your best foot forward, doing your best work? Because that's how you put yourself in a position down the road to be in a job you love and be in an opportunity you're passionate about. And then finally, the true traits of leadership. You know, we, we talk about leadership a lot of times about how many people can I get to follow me? How many people are coming along beside me and following me on my phone and liking my posts? But real leadership is about how we help build other leaders. And so I challenge people to look at not how many followers you can accumulate, but the people that are following you, whether it's one, whether it's 100, whether it's 100,000, how are you investing back in them to make them better, better leaders? And every one of these things is 100% in our control. And one of the things I tried to do is that it's a short read, but at the end of every chapter, we look at how do you specifically can apply this to your career? How can you apply it to your training? If you're a health and fitness, you know, you're looking to get in shape or, or just build on what you have. And then how can you apply it to life, relationships, uh, fulfilling your potential in life? And so that way, not only do we kind of dive in with stories and examples of why this is important, how this choice matters, but then we give you just tips at the end of like, here's an easy, quick win you can use for your career. Here's an easy, quick win you can use for your relationships at home. Because we want everyone to take this content and start applying it and see that the choices at the end of the day are 100% up to them. Interestingly, you sort of branched out into something there that is in your book, and I want to get an expansion on it, is some people don't see themselves as competitive or competitors, but if they actually look at their choices in life, they'll come to realize that that there is an internal process of of 
actually competing to attain certain things. So do you want to talk to the things that we do naturally in life outside of sport or business that actually demonstrate that we are naturally competitive? Yeah, yeah, I laugh because almost every time I go keynote at a, a corporate event or association, I almost always have to address that at the beginning of like, I know there's a few of y'all in the room that love to compete and I know there's a lot that don't. And a lot of times we we see competition as me versus you. And the people that usually say, I don't like competition, I don't like to compete because they look at it from a sense of, I don't like sports or I don't like the idea of defeating someone else. I think we can both do well. And to them, I say, I agree. Your competition is with your own previous best. If you turned in a, a paper in school and you got a C plus, well, the next time you might be a little more motivated. Can I get a B minus? Can I make it just a little bit better? Can I do just a little bit more? And that's where that competitive drive, that competitive fire is all about. The, the ancient Greeks, famous for creating the Olympics and, and a number of other things in history, they were kind of some of the founders of competition. I mean, that's why the Olympics were there. They saw competition as the purest way to honor their gods. Because in it, people put forth their best effort. They got out of their comfort zone. They showed what they were capable of. And the same applies to our life. How can we do that with ourselves each and every day? And so it's not about looking at someone else and thinking, I've got to beat him. I've got to beat her. It's really answering the question, how can I do better today? Whether I'm more patient with a spouse. Maybe I'm more proactive with a project at work. But that's how you get it. It's the little 1% growth pieces that each of us have, that once we start to build upon, then we start to see, oh, I can do that. I can do a little bit better. Maybe I can do more. And we start to challenge ourselves and push ourselves. And then we look back five, 10 years before, and we don't even recognize the person we were because we've done so much growth in getting better that who we were then is nowhere near where we are now. Yeah. So things like ambition in relationships and wanting the best spouse or you know, wanting a better job. So those are competitive mindsets, even though we might not recognize or realize it at the time that if if we weren't trying to be better, then we'd just stay where we are. So most people have this drive to want better for themselves. Yeah, they, they do. And, and the core definition of competition is to strive to gain or win something. And the way we love to talk about it is strive to gain your best life, your best potential, your full experience. Like that's what you're constantly striving toward is to see what you're capable of. And, and Bronnie Ware in her book, uh, The Five Regrets of the Dying, worked in hospice and, and talked to all these individuals at the end of their life. And the number one regret that they saw time and time again is that I wish I'd lived a life true to me. I wish I'd pursued my passions and the things I was passionate about. The, these people got to the end of their life and they still had so much left in the tank, but they didn't have any time left to use that energy still left in the tank. And so this idea of competing against yourself is the idea of ending on empty, exhausting everything you can to strive for your best life, your full potential. So there's no what ifs, there's no regrets at the end. It's like, man... Some things worked, some things didn't, but I did everything I had could with everything I had. Is there anything you want to directly say to the audience that you feel is important, you know, around this concept of competing with yourself every day? Yeah, I would say the most important message that I would leave them with is the idea of, of pursuing those passions, but not thinking you have to have everything figured out to get going. 
And, and I say that as someone, when I launched my business 10 years ago, I didn't have a clue about apparel. I didn't have a clue about keynote speaking. I mean, I was into leadership development, but I didn't know anything else. I was just passionate about helping people build this mindset. And I just started trying things and figuring things out along the way. And I think a lot of times today we get stuck in that, quote, entrepreneur stage because we want to do these things. But because we don't know the entire plan, the entire map, we don't ever start. And so instead, my challenge is if you've got a passion to do something, if you just are exploring these passions, just start and you'll start to figure out the path as you take a step or two steps or three steps. Don't think you have to have 10 or 20 or the entire thing mapped out. Just go. And then every step you take, compete with that previous one. Ask yourself, how can I do a little bit better today? How can I be a little more focused today? And you'll eventually get to where you're wanting to go. You'll get down that path. And maybe it's even different location than where you started, which is kind of what happened with me. Uh, and it's one you'll find that you enjoy so much more. So did you fall into your passion for this? So you said 10 years ago you started in apparel? Yeah, so really I, I think I kind of fell into pieces of it. And I say that for a couple of, of regards is I was a marketing consultant back in 2008 to really 2011 and 12, very unhappy with the work after a couple of years. I was making good money, uh, but I didn't really have a purpose. I was adding a lot of money and toys to my account. I had a, a nice car. I was going out all the time. But there was nothing that I was doing that was building a legacy. And, and I, that really stuck to me that if I were to die, I had only created this sandcastle that would wash away. I'd done nothing to invest in helping others. And so I started exploring this idea of, of me always being a competitive guy, of me learning to compete against myself. What if I started helping others do that? And what would that look like? And so that really started the brand of Compete Every Day. And, and after trying three different projects to fit it, it didn't work. My best friend was like, hey, you should look at apparel. And so I, I said, why not? And so I printed a couple of boxes of T-shirts and tank tops with Compete Every Day, sold them out of the trunk of my car, and then just slowly started building it. And then about five years ago, I started getting asked by companies, come speak, come teach our teams what it means to compete every day. And so slowly that path started to shape and, and become a little more clear. And, and about three and a half years ago, it became a very clear in my head, like this is the direction I want to go where I'm actually working with people, speaking, coaching, and writing around these concepts. And so uh, I would say, yeah, I had a passion for what I wanted to do in terms of how I wanted to help others, but it was a lot of zigging and zagging and trying to figure it out along the way. But you just keep in mind, this is what I'm passionate about. This is how I want to help others. And I'm going to figure out the best way to do that. It's interesting because as you say that, all I can hear there is Kevin Parnell saying, people process progress. And that's the yep. exact formula that you've used to arrive where you are today. And the number of people I've spoken on, people with a passion, most of them, particularly the ones that have, you know, particularly like yourself, Alan Stein Jr., Kev Eastman, who've had the journey, all talk about the zig and the zag, that it's not a smooth ride. It never is. And there's a lot of learning and failure along the way. But it is a zig and zag. And you just can't get upset when it's not looking the way you thought. You kind of have to roll with it and keep asking yourself just that same part. How can I keep helping people? How can I continue to pursue this? And then how can I compete to be better today? That's awesome. I think we'll leave it at that. I think that's a great end end note so thanks for your time i'll put 
description um, or links to all the book and all information so people can find you in the description of the uh, episode. I really appreciate your time, Jake Thompson. It's been awesome you sharing your knowledge with myself and my audience and I hope you do well with your book. Thanks so much, Craig. I had a blast. I appreciate you having me on the show. I hope you liked this episode. If you did, please give it a thumbs up and feel free to comment. If you haven't yet subscribed, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell to be advised of new interviews when they're uploaded. I hope you join us again sometime. Catch you later.